0: Didn't you ever have the feeling that, maybe without even knowing why, if you just let somebody walk away from you, you'd be lost? You wouldn't know which way to turn or where to find anybody to take their place. Yeah, I had that feeling earlier tonight. I've got it now. You see? That's why I've got to go. From the beginning, I knew you were the very best. Even before you came over here, I knew. Every time you looked at me, I wanted to kiss you, like now. This is a movie, excuse me, that I'd never heard of. I'm swelling down ginger-laced hot chocolate. It's in the middle of winter. It's Christmas here in London. And I'm drinking hot chocolate, which is why I made a little choking sound, which Matt's cruelly mocking me for. <laughs> right, so Don't Bother to Knock is a movie I'd never heard of. Uh, and then the first big surprise... I mean, the, the fun of doing these is that you do throw movies at me that I've never heard of and never would have watched otherwise. And this was... A small gem, I thought.
1: I, I mean, this, I couldn't think of any part of this film that wasn't right up your alley. So I felt confident on this one. The trouble is, I think possibly the resolution might not be up to par.
0: I was sold on this movie when you told me that Marilyn Monroe was in it. The fact that she was in it and I'd never heard of it boded well in the sense that you wouldn't be recommending it if it was a, if it was a really boring movie. So I thought this is going to be something interesting.
1: I really, really like Marilyn Monroe, but I don't like... There's two different Marilyn Monroes. You've got Marilyn Monroe the star, and you've got Marilyn Monroe the actress. And she was such a promising actress until she became a star. And then she got stuck in this bizarre world of playing the ditzy blonde. And although she is a slightly ditzy blonde in this, she is... So good in this that it infuriates me that she's better known for other things when she was a really good actress
0: Okay, so give me an example of a movie in which she's a star but isn't really a good actress anymore Some like it hot. Okay. I don't I agree. That's um, gentlemen and, prefer belongs You know what if you watch some like it hot and thought that was Marilyn Monroe, which many people did and indeed I did You just you're, you're so wrong, aren't you? Hmm. Um, we'll give another example of a movie in which she, she acts well uh, In fact, it's on our pile to do Niagara Uh, Excellent. Looking forward to that. Um, And Bus Stop.
1: I mean, these are... Bus Stop's a favourite of mine. Yeah. She She is is a really good actress. And I'm really glad that you found a new film with her in because I'm guessing you liked her in this,
0: yeah? (laughs) I thought she was great. Well, okay. Um, uh, This movie really transformed for me because at first it appears to be a soap (laughs) opera about a bunch of people in a hotel, right? The, The intersecting lives of a bunch of people with their boring love affairs. So I started off thinking... I've been misled because I was expecting a thriller or a noir, and I just thought it was going to be this bo- boring overlit soap opera. That was my first impression. By the time I reached the end, I wrote, "This is an extraordinary movie. <laughs> it's a superb slice of psychological noir." And I've written Monroe is very effective.
1: Yeah, um, oddly enough, I've got Mar- Monroe is so engaging on mine. My, um, my other note on this is shit goes south quick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, not quick enough for me because as I said I, at the beginning I was thinking oh what, what is this movie going to be about do I have to sit trudge through this movie so to give people the setup, Richard Widmark who was a an interesting leading man in this period because he was o- as often the heavy as he was the hero so he's not a straightforward good guy type so he's alone in his room and we discover that he has been having an, he's alone in a hotel room in a New York hotel and we discover that he's been having an affair with uh, a woman who sings in the bar glamorous woman who sings in the bar and there's this boring subplot about she doesn't want their affair to continue because she feels that they should get married you know, it should become more serious and he's he's an airline pilot uh, footloose and fancy-free and he doesn't really want any commitment so that's sort of the plot as as I thought it was going to be but rapidly a lot more interesting things develop as soon as Marilyn Monroe walks on the scene more or less because her um, uncle uh, works in the hotel as a, the guy who runs the elevators i mean this is back in the day when an ele- elevator in a hotel had an operator who sat yes. in it and, and pushed the buttons for you because how could you push the buttons for yourself uh, but elisha cook that Judy, wasn't isn't... the reason oh okay
1: please tell me the reason for it is because those sliding doors if they're not shut properly ah, the lift believable. won't move right okay so you needed someone to make sure because otherwise people just get off at that floor and walk off they don't shut well, the abandon door it. no one can get up and they can't <laughs> call the lift <laughs> So if you've ever worked somewhere with a goods elevator... Um, you have exactly that ...which issue. I've had this problem, mm-hmm. if some bastard upstairs has left the lift open, you've got to go traipsing up five flights of stairs May, to and get and the lift this down. This the
0: days before automatic doors, so that makes yeah. complete sense. OK, so that's very interesting. So, And this elevator operator, performing his useful function, yes. is played by <laughs> Elisha Cook Jr., who's always sort of a, like... He frequently plays whimpering little psychopath types and strange oddball characters. And in this... He's Monroe's uncle, and he's got her a job babysitting for a wealthy couple who are staying in the hotel. And the wealthy couple go down, there's some boring... It's a press convention, actually, and the guy's going to have to make a speech. These are very minor characters. You can forget about them, but you can't forget about Monroe or the little girl, I think she's 10 years old, Yeah. called Bunny, Bunny. whom Monroe is babysitting. Because, as Matt says, things do start to go south quite quickly <laughs> because at the first that we really realise is when Monroe puts Bunny to bed and she's rather kind stern about it. She's not very nice about it. And then as soon as the little girl is bedded down safely in the next room, Monroe begins to try on the girl's mother's jewellery. And you think, oh, this is a bit creepy and or criminal and or, you know, I don't know where this is going. So at that, that, that point it starts to get interesting. Up to this point, Monroe has been... its
1: Because you're so used to ditzy Monroe in the later films seeing her in this acting a bit odd doesn't seem actually that odd it almost feels like she's just not
0: acting very well no, well I, <laughs> she talks in this breathy monotone yeah and, and i thought she just thought seems
1: to be somewhere else in i every thought she,
0: she can't act but thinking about it now i mean oh, that she couldn't act at the time obviously she, she became a better actor but i think that that's a carefully thought out performance yeah
1: it it, it rewards on a second viewing yeah um and as you say there's once she starts trying on the clothes and that every now and then there are these little moments where she snaps she, she looks she, listen
0: i've got to say she looks fantastic every close-up yeah. of her is magnificent this film is directed by roy baker who is actually roy ward baker which is a, a strange thing and the reason it's a strange thing is because this movie uh, is an american film shot uh, sorry released i think in 1952 right but roy ward baker is a famous british yeah. Uh, filmmaker. Do you have any idea how, how he came to be in the States
1: in the early 50s? Not remotely, and you insisted when we discussed this before that it can't possibly be the same Roy Gordbaker. <laughs> no, I must have it wrong.
0: Um, well, For all the above-mentioned reasons, but apparently, so I'm looking at this, he worked... D- did he? Was he an American who came over here? Uh, no, you know, I, he, I don't he think just, I've ever seen I've, him interviewed. I think I'm reading this, bit, apparently yeah. he was he was British. But I guess he just went to the States uh, for a while. And uh, this is the sound of Andrew reading. Of it. He's got quite a distinguished career, and uh, you know, I thought that he did ha- Hammer movies, but I think he only did the one, The Quatermass Mass and the Pit. If you that's you know, if you're going to do one Hammer movie, that's the one to do. He only did one. Uh, yeah, because I thought he was. I I associating with Hammer, Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, no, but I think that I think we are both confusing him with Terence Fisher. No. <laughs> I would insist otherwise. Okay, well, th- did, did he do Amicus ones? Is that what it is? I mean, we just it, no. Just, look, the movies are Tiger in the Smoke, which is a crime movie. The one that got away, I've got no idea. A Night to Remember, that's the Titanic sinking, isn't it? Yeah. The Singer, not the song, no idea. Flame in the Streets, no idea. But no, none of these are Hammer movies. The Valiant. From that point on, he's very busy. The early sixties, busy in television, uh, most notably in series like The Avengers. Yeah. That there, there's and the okay, that's the only Hammer film I can see here. And uh, no. yeah because you had the same impression i did by association (laughs) hammer stalwart oh he did do the legend of the seven golden vampires oh that's that will be why yeah because i watched that the other day completely lying he did do amicus he did the vault of horror i just hadn't gone far enough late enough in his career there you go i was thinking that this would have been in the early 60s but in fact it's in the 70s that he moved into this and he's got a wow his career just keeps on going right into the 90s into television anyway and he didn't mind it i had no idea He went on to shoot episodes of Minder. uh, Well, look, if... uh, Thirteen episodes, uh, wow. uh,
1: What's his name, The Weekend at Bernie's Rambo guy? I can't think of the director's name. Ted Kotcher. If Ted Kotcher can be doing Casualty, I think Roy Ward Baker can be doing Minder.
0: (laughs) Well, so that was a very interesting rabbit hole for us to go down. Roy Ward Baker, very interesting uh, director. And I think he does a really good job of this film as well. I think it's badly shot in the sense it's very overlit and it looks like sets. But... Well, I'm, I'm
1: fine with that because it's a low-budget film. I, um, where he You're really comes that. into his own is there's one sequence which makes the whole film, which is when Bunny's at the window and she's sitting up on the windowsill looking out. Uh, Marilyn Monroe is standing behind her and she puts her hand on her back. And I think that is so well shot because that well, comes out of I nowhere. Well, I just
0: looked who did the photography and it's Lucien Ballard who we were discussing in Morocco who's <laughs> an uncredited cinematographer on... Um, Von Sternberg's Morocco, and is one, considered one of the great American cinematographers. He went on to do things like The Wild Bunch. So although I was bitching about it, clearly this was shot by a top uh, uh, cameraman, and perhaps what I'm reacting to is the low budget. It's, it's very. It looks like... Everything looks like sets. I, I mean, felt. you just said Overlit, but it's a hotel. When have you ever been in a hotel that isn't Overlit? Look, now that I've seen that it's <laughs> Lucy and Ballard, I'm willing to believe that I'm wrong. <laughs> Seriously, because he's, no. he's tops. But just so people know how these plot lines twine together. Yes. Richard Woodmark has his argument with this woman. Uh, Okay, we might as well tell you who she is. Uh, I guess she's Anne Bancroft. She is Anne Bancroft, yeah. Wow. Who later married uh, Mel Brooks?
1: Uh, Well, yeah, but um, she's in kind of a thankless role in this one. That's
0: right. I I can now see that it's her. But yeah, she's just like, she's this pretty singer uh, who wants to get married. Like, that's her story. And not a very good singer either. Do you not think... Uh, it didn't bother me at all. I, and I thought the good choices of songs. There's some lovely songs in this. there. There are some
1: great songs, yeah.
0: But... I do like... It
1: occurred to me that, you know, a jukebox must have been quite a favourable thing when it finally came in because having to have a singer in a hotel... And,
0: have a jukebox in a posh hotel uh, no. restaurant come bar which is what, what this was. But even
1: so, if you want to hear a song, having to sling a fibre at someone... Having to, to have
0: Anne Bancroft. <laughs> it's just... No, but so, so Richard Woodmark and Anne Bancroft just had a row about his inability to commit. Uh, and he's gone back up to his room and he has got out a bottle of whiskey because that's what you did in 1953. <laughs> you sat down, drank lots of whiskey in your hotel room. And he looks out his window and across the courtyard in that room opposite is Marilyn Monroe, who's now <laughs> wearing the dress of Bunny's mother as well as the, um, the uh, jewellery of Bunny's mother. And uh, she starts... Well, i wouldn't so much say she's coming on to him but he's very interested in her, and they start she she pulls the blinds down and she pulls them back up and he works out from the floor plan of the hotel which room she must be in and he rings that room the long longer the short of it is she eventually invites him to come around to her room <laughs>
1: and, uh, I, I mean technically this is a bedroom farce
0: <laughs> well you see i thought it was either a soap opera or a bedroom farce in its early stages but it gets into such deep, dark waters so quickly that it's, it's it is not those things at it all. It just
1: suddenly goes wrong.
0: Now I want to talk quickly about the people who wrote it because it, it's this is an extremely well written film. It's based on a novel by Charlotte Armstrong, who wrote loads of successful crime stories. Uh, there's not not ones that I've heard of, but just if I look at, looking through her career, who was constantly serving as the basis for movies and TV shows. So I, I made this has made me want to get some Charlotte. Armstrong novels and check them out. So I'm going to do. I that. would
1: quite like to get the novel for this, just to yeah, because it it's one of your
0: favorite movies. But the screenplay, the adaptation of the novels by Daniel Tarradash, who's one of the top Hollywood screenwriters, he won an Oscar for his brilliant job adapting From Here to Eternity, and he remained at the, uh, the the top of his profession. Two of his movies that he did, which are favorites of mine because they're oddball movies, are *Bell Book and Candle*, which is about witches, <laughs> and *Castle Keep*, which is fantastic um anyway so that's one reason this is a bad movie is because the source material and the script are very good and when i I say they're very good not only do they just tell a good compelling story there's some real eccentricity here because when bunny is being put to bed by marilyn monroe (laughs) uh, and she goes to close the curtains bunny suddenly out of nowhere says do you have any tattoos yeah and marilyn monroe says no and, she, and Bunny says, oh, I think one day I'll, I'll get one. And like, perhaps that doesn't sound very strange to listeners now, but trust me, in 1952, that was some really weird dialogue. Like, yeah. to, to, to think that a woman like Marilyn Monroe would have a tattoo would be bizarre in the extreme. But she completely takes it in a stride as well. Yeah. So it's an odd one. There is a kind of we're not in kansas anymore feeling yeah to, to, to it at that point and there's later, some terrific
1: dialogue in this one
0: well that's i i've i've made a note of a couple I wonder of if we've got the same ones written well, down okay so um, i didn't get the exact line for this but the uncle uh, elisha cook jr sits to marilyn Monroe, out of the blue at one point he says something like guys get killed all the time get over it <laughs> Well, yeah, which
1: was very much the attitude toward mental illness at the time was, get over it.
0: But but we don't know that she's mentally ill at that point. But what we do know is that she's lost some, that some guy has died and this has affected her. But like, he's he's like, guys get killed all the time. Actually, they don't, Elisha, so shut up and be a little more compassionate. But anyway...
1: Uh, at the very beginning of the film, there's a lady complaining at the hotel desk. I think it's the, one, it's the right. first line of dialogue, which that is. you think is going to set the tone for the rest of the film, yeah. because if the rest of the film's like this, you think, well, I'm clearly watching a comedy, Yeah. Uh, which is um, this, this, this woman saying the food isn't what it was ten years there's ago. There's
0: this battle axe woman with this very kind of um, soft-spoken husband, and she's an interfering busybody, which becomes very important later on because she's going to interfere and in busybody uh, in relation to Marilyn Monroe and Richard Widmark. But another, in fact... She's, I think she's looking out the window of their room. And, yeah, she is. Because what happens is, as Matt mentioned, there's a really chilling bit where Bunny keeps getting out of bed and she becomes a real nuisance. And there's a bit where she's sitting, she's leaning out the window. And Marilyn Monroe just puts her hand on Bunny's back and you think, Bunny's going out the window. Yeah. In fact, I thought I thought Bunny was going out the window or somebody was. And this was yet another movie that you've given me in which people go out hotel windows because well, there's been two so far.
1: The thing is... Part of you is thinking, I would know about this film if a kid is pushed out of a window and killed. <laughs> it would be notorious, especially if it was you know, Marilyn Monroe doing it. So
0: clearly that's not going to happen. I didn't But there's still it, I that edge I, of, is I, she going to do this? I didn't have that level of analysis. But uh, I, the old battle axe sees this and she gets very suspicious. But, and then she sees that there's a, a man and a woman alone in a room and she doesn't want that. <laughs> and her husband says to her I, thought, this is, I love this dialogue he says don't be a peeping pansy <laughs> and then when they're talking about ringing the house detective like the battle axe I think it's suggesting ringing the house detective this guy says he couldn't detect a monk in a convent
1: yes <laughs> which is a line I think I've heard Agatha Christie use in a book oh, I, I'm pretty sure it's a similar saying so it could have just been like a fart and a torn pair of trousers which some people <laughs> use
0: um, oh, how disgusting yeah <laughs> uh, but and there's another line and I think it was from Richard Widmark when he begins to find out how mentally troubled Marilyn Monroe is, he says everybody's entitled to, to his own little kinks. Yes. What a great line. What a tolerant line. Well, I mean, and also he turns out, he spends most of the film
1: being a bit of a dick, but by the end of it... He, he does. Rather, I mean, it's a bit clumsy, but yeah. he turns out, he does the right thing in he, the end. He, does
0: it, he has a journey of self-discovery. Yeah. yeah, so he's being... Well, actually, you say he's being a bit of a dick, but I felt uh, that... The Lynn, which is the name of the singer, was being a bit of uh, something equivalent <laughs> to a dick because, yeah, be, because she, she she just wanted to get married, like she's you know you know we're seeing each other, you should marry me, which I thought was a very kind of materialistic, thing, you know. So, although he wasn't being particularly nice, her behaviour and Bancroft's behaviour wasn't great either. But what happens is Marilyn Monroe invites him over to her room, and then she goes in. To Bunny's room for some reason, and the camera just pans across to, to Bunny on her bed, and Bunny has been tied up. She's been trussed up and gagged well, no, that's, by Marilyn Monroe. This is
1: much later on. This is when oh, is um, the, the kid's screaming, and that's caused uh, the alarm to be raised. And what happens is Marilyn monroe says this we in the bathroom after he's uh, hit the uncle on the head, or she's hit the uncle on the head, and the guy's seeing to the uncle and she says, I'll go and see to Bunny.
0: But Bunny's been and, trussed up for quite yeah. some while. No, no, right? no, she hasn't. Off Because
1: Bunny's um, up and awake at that point. She leaves the room off camera. <laughs> Marilyn Monroe goes in there. Then she comes back a few seconds later. Oh, the kids stop screaming. And
0: while she's doing that, uh, Richard Widmark is tending to yeah. the uncle, right? But the kids stop screaming. And you don't know why the kids
1: stop screaming. <laughs> and my thought was, you know, the kid's not alive anymore. You know, that's you how she say stopped it. You thought that
0: Marilyn Monroe... Uh, killed the kid kid. yeah as nell forbes nell
1: forbes killed the kid Um, yeah yeah we should be fair on this (laughs) This is a character obviously not a documentary but yeah um that i think that was really well done having her go off off camera and then come back in all the attentions on this guy's injured head uh yeah i think i think we've
0: jumped over a bit which is when maryland and richard Woodmark are in the room together the uncle turns up and is he going to blow the whistle on her or something everything's
1: gone wrong everyone's upset about something um i can't remember quite what it leads to he's annoyed that she has oh that's right yeah because skidmark's hiding in the bathroom yeah yeah. (laughs) it's hiding in the bathroom look if you're going to call someone widmark they're going to get called skidmark for their whole life they've got to put up with it um he's hiding in the bathroom and then the uncle comes in and she leaves the tap running or he leaves the tap
0: running on the sink. The longer the short of it is she hits yeah. her poor uncle in the head with this heavy <laughs> ashtray, <laughs> and so she's spiralling out of control.
1: Yeah. It reminds me a bit of Fawlty Towers, where the guests are just dying around him. <laughs> it's just and his bodies piling up around eventually him. Eventually
0: there is a happy ending, but, but it does end up, that does include Marilyn Monroe being led off to a mental hospital, which is hopefully is better than the one in Oregon, where yeah. she came from. Because what happened is her... Was it her fiancé or her yeah. husband? Well, was killed she's overseas. so disturbed,
1: It may not have even been a genuine relationship, but certainly someone has been killed overseas. Yeah, in he's a, a flash.
0: But her performance as this troubled woman struggling with mental health issues and then the shit that she does is riveting. Yeah. And Widmark's journey from being a heel who just doesn't want to get married to the singer... To, to, he does seem genuinely compassionate about Marilyn Monroe, and that does win us over a great deal.
1: See, this is another throwback to my problem with Morocco, which we also did recently, where Gary Cooper's character is not particularly likable. Um, Richard Midmark's character is not particularly likable in this film. But he However, goes on a journey. Yeah, he, he develops. There is some development to that character, there's some improvement to him, something happens to him. He's a different character. Yeah, I'm fine with any film, provided a, any of the characters is different from the first scene to the last scene they're in you there's no basic point. American screenwriting yeah, there
0: is no point Look,
1: this is where Morocco oh. fell down but with this one it works because he changes quite early on I like that he can't really handle her flirting when he goes over to the hotel room to meet Marilyn Rowe yeah he he just can't he's thinking this this ain't this this is too good to be well, true be,
0: because she's too proactive
1: yeah um, it, oh, I love those things. I think they're fantastic. She plays, and because it's well, her,
0: it does have to be said that, that Widmark is also a good actor. So yeah, we've got a terrific cast going here. We have. um Even Anne Bancroft, who's fantastic in other things, she does bugger all in this. I mean, yeah, it, but it doesn't hurt to have somebody who's good in hmm. it. So this is a, this is a lost classic. I see it's it is actually called film noir here, a drama film noir mystery. I'd call it noir. Yeah, I would by the time it finished, but at the beginning I just thought this is just some dumb movie about a hotel. But it, this is well worth looking out. And thank you so much for introducing me to it. Fantastic. And a, a great let, let's go on a let's go down a Marilyn Monroe rabbit hole. Well, we've got Niagara coming
1: up soon. Yeah. So
0: we've got another one to come. And then this. let's do bus stop. Yeah, all right. Why not? <laughs> this has been a podcast by my friend Matt West and myself, Andrew Cartmel. But very importantly, the music, the fabulous music you heard at the beginning and that you're listening to now is by Joe Kramer. Thank you very much, Joe. What do you people want? What are you staring at? This isn't a midway. Get back to your own business and leave us alone, please.